welcome strangely enough my name is richard and uh thanks for joining us this week uh first up we've got amish charged with horse-drawn buggy over horse-drawn buggies the american civil liberties union is to defend a group of amish men in kentucky facing charges for refusing to place flashing lights on their horse-drawn carriages Several men each face between one and four counts of driving carriages without state-mandated slow-moving vehicle emblems made up of flashing lights and an orange triangle symbol. The men contend that using the emblems and lights would violate their religious beliefs which prohibit possession of possessions that are too worldly. The trial, scheduled to go ahead in Graves County, has been delayed until September to give Louisville-based ACLU lawyer William Sharp time to prepare. We're interested in the case from the context of the Kentucky constitutional right to free exercise of religion, Mr. Sharp said. We believe the Kentucky Constitution actually provides greater protection than the federal Constitution to exercise his or her religion. Kentucky statutes have required symbols on slow-moving vehicles since 1971. The requirements for flashing lights were added in 2005. Some Amish use reflective tape on their buggies instead of the signs and lanterns rather than battery-operated lights. In February, three Amish men from western Kentucky were convicted and fined of failing to display the lights and emblem. They are appealing their conviction. Court cases stemming from Amish objections to displaying slow-moving vehicle signs date back to the early 70s, according to the Amish and the state, edited Bill Craybill. I'm telling you, these folks, sometimes they just mess up, and it ain't me. A chapter on slow-moving vehicles by Lee J. Zook notes, cases have occurred in Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, and New York. In some... In some Amish defendants, te- some Amish de- defendants testified that they objected to signs because they were too brightly colored and went against their belief that their uh, trust should be in God and not man-made symbols. Well, there you go, another attack on personal religious freedoms, and I'm not even going to get started on that. Next up, we got weird wine labels lead to police crackdown of prostitution ring. And this comes from, it doesn't say. However, uh, Dateline Taipei, world wine labels and exorbitant prices promoted by a liquor company have led to Taiwan police to crack down on a prostitution ring. The online newspaper nownews.com reported Sunday. While the normal price of a bottle of beer is about 30 Taiwan dollars, that would be $1 U.S., and $500, $16 U.S., for a bottle of liquor, the liquor company charged 3,500 Taiwan dollars, $100 U.S., for a bottle of local beer, and 5,000 Taiwan dollars, which would be 160 U.S. dollars, for a bottle of Japanese wine. And six thousand Taiwan dollars, two hundred U.S. for a bottle of Russian vodka. The rules for drinking were even more strange. The drink had to be imbibed only once, and within fifty minutes. 
a 10% surcharge had to be paid for extra service. A drink could be replaced if the customer was unhappy with it. And there was also an extra charge if the drink was taken wearing a raincoat and spits into mouth. But an investigation revealed that the liquor company was actually a prostitution ring, which lured customers through an internet chat room. Now news said, and the uh, labels referred to the nationality of the prostitute. Wearing a raincoat and spits into mouth was a code for oral sex, and 18-proof beer and 30-proof beer were referred to to the age of the call girls. The online paper did not provide other details about the prostitution ring, but if convicted, those behind it could face a maximum of five years' imprisonment on charges of offenses against morals. Well, there you go, cracking down on the prostitution ring in Taipei. This from uh, Canada.com. Record number of UFOs spotted, 836 Canadian sightings. Some swirled, some swooshed, swooshed and hummed, while others hovered, zipped and zoomed. Canadians in four provinces reported seeing a record number of unidentified flying objects in 2007, according to an annual report released by the Winnipeg-based nonprofit organization that has recorded UFO sightings since 1989. The Ufology Research Institute, which compiles data from sources including Transport Canada and the Department of National Defense said researchers examined 836 alleged UFO sightings in 2007, an increase in almost 12% over 2006. While British Columbia typically has the highest number of reported sightings in 2007, compilation found in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Quebec, each received all-time high numbers in UFO reports. The reports were filed by witnesses with the government and military agencies, police, and several online UFO websites. Witnesses ranged from farmhands to airline pilots and included teachers and police officers. Chris Rutkowski, the lead researcher for the study, said of the 100 reports, uh, only a fraction, about 16%, were classified as unexplained after review by his investigators. He also cautioned, while some UFO sightings can't be rationally explained, there is still no evidence to suggest extraterrestrial contact. Some of the more bizarre cases from 2007, those to which researchers gave strangeness ratings of 6 or more out of 10, include one in Hammond's Plain, Nova Scotia, on March 10th, when several witnesses saw a structured object with lights moving slowly over a lake. The object was also humming, according to the witness. In Halifax, on December 21st, a helicopter pilot reported seeing a bright object flying overhead and curving around. In another instance, residents in North Tyron, PEI, I have a look that one up. Saw a small shiny object spiraling in the sky last Boxing Day. They reported the strange craft flew in a corkscrew manner, leaving behind it a mysterious dark smoke trail. Hmm. Need to get them rings checked. 
This only really uh, caught our attention, recalled Rutkowski, an, astro- an astronaut who leads the research and investigation along with several engineers, journalists, and pilots. It happened during the day. Two individuals saw it, and they had enough time because it was visible for half an hour, and they took video. The trail persisted for quite some time. All right, record number UFOs in Canada. Now we come to the short attention span segment of our program. I figured y'all might appreciate this. It seems that Darrell Walker, 30, was arrested in Bartlesville, Oklahoma in May after his 8-year-old son told police that his dad routinely shot him and his younger sister in the leg with a BB gun if they misbehaved. Robert Cicero, 46, was arrested in Medford, Oregon in June after, according to police, he hit his teenage daughter in the ankle with a hammer to feign a skating injury for which she could get a prescription for pain medication, which he then commandeered. The New York Daily News reported in June that members of gangs such as the Bloods and the Latin Kings who become parents are routinely having their babies blessed into their gangs in religious ceremonies in which the swaddling clothes of the gang colors, the Bloods call such babies blood drops and blood stains. The Daily News described the parents teaching chubby little fingers to make gang signs even before the toddlers learn to talk. One Episcopal priest said he has blessed in more than 300 such kids to two gangs. In February, police officer Michael Curtin, 36, was removed from the force in Munhall, PA, and in April was charged with offering two underage girls $1,000 each to let him suck their toes. There you go, folks. A little short take for you. Uh, y'all let me know if you kind of like that. I keep trying to hunt them up. Okay, in our continuing coverage of the uh, mass severed foot migration, we have some more stuff. You know we've been following this for several weeks now. Canadian officials say they have matched the DNA from severed foot found on the coast of British Columbia to a man who disappeared last year. A Royal Canadian Mounted Police spokesman said familial DNA was taken to link the foot to the man who disappeared in British Columbia's lower mainland, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported Sunday. Sergeant Pierre Lamater said police did not suspect foul play in the case. We were able to notify the family yesterday, and out of respect for them, They ask that we give them at least 48 hours to get together as a family with other relatives and deal with this development, Lamatier said. Five severed feet in running shoes have been found on islands in the Georgia Strait and Fraser River. In the past year, the reports said, officials say the feet do not seem to have become detached intentionally. Okay, well, it'd be kind of hard to lose a foot accidentally, I think. Who knows? Okay, also from the mass severed foot migration file, we have a slightly longer version. Uh, British Columbia identifies one of five mystery severed feet. This comes from the National Post up in Canada. A Washington State coroner said Friday 
that he wants to work with the British Columbia Coroner's Service to see if there's a connection between footless skeletal remains discovered in the San Juan Islands and the mysterious severed feet that have washed up ashore in southwest British Columbia. San Juan County Coroner Randall Gaylord said a body was discovered by a hiker on Orcas Island in the San Juan Archipelago in March of 2007. The body did not have a right arm, right hand, left hand, or any feet. The body had some gold inlays on the molars. It belonged to a man about 5 feet, 9 inches tall, and could be Caucasian, Asian, or Native American, and possibly over 30 years old. Gaylord said he called British Columbia Coroner Service on Thursday to initiate the sharing of information. Meanwhile, CTV News reported Friday that RCMP had identified one of the five severed feet as belonging to a depressed man who was missing. RCMP Corporal Pierre Lamater said police had ruled out foul play. Police plan to talk to the man's family Friday. More information may be released next week, and we will be keeping up with this. RCMP could not be reached Friday to confirm the report. Meanwhile, all the feet found in British Columbia waters appeared to have been naturally disarticulated from the body through a natural process. Now that's more like it. RCMP Constable Annie Lintow said last week, Annie's back in the fray. This article's actually got a picture of her. One more thing in our continuing coverage, and I know this all sounds like it's the same, but there's pieces of information in one that's not in the other and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, this is the last one we got on the severed feet. Randall Gaylord, the coroner of San Juan County, contacted the authorities in British Columbia. Gaylord wants to determine if any of the feet that have washed ashore in British Columbia could belong to a man's body that was discovered last year in the San Juan Islands. The body still remains unidentified. Constable Annie Lintow of the RCMP said the feet that had washed ashore appear to have been naturally disarticulated after death. One foot that has been found belongs to a still missing man. The missing man's family said that prior to this disappearance, he'd been depressed. Well, yeah, I've been known to chop my feet off when I got the feeling a little bad. Next up, we got rare Siamese twin birds found. An apparent set of conjoined twin birds, an incredibly rare find, has been discovered in Arkansas, authorities said. The pair of barn swallows attached at the hip by skin and possibly muscle tissue is being sent to the Smithsonian Institution for examination and confirmation, Arkansas wildlife officials said. I can't even say it's one in a million. It's probably more than that, said Karen Rowe, an ornithologist for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. There's just very little to no record of such a thing. The birds found in White County fell out of a nest as a healthy sibling flew off to learn how to hunt with its parents, Mrs. Rowe said. Birds first appeared to have only three legs, but further examination found a fourth leg tucked up underneath the skin connecting the pair. Mrs. Rowe said the landowner who found them probably kept the birds for a day before calling wildlife officials. By the time officials arrived, the birds were not eating. One died early Friday, and a veterinarian later put the other one down. Finding conjoined birds is rare because 
They likely die before being discovered, Mrs. Rose said. X-rays of the pair found each bird was fully formed. She said the birds would have had to come from a double yolk egg. Barn swallows can live for several years, though the conjoined twins might not have lived that long even if they'd been separated. Mrs. Rose said it would have been difficult to teach the birds to fly. I imagine so. Well, what we got next? Man converts home to a church to save taxes. You know I've heard about this. Uh, this actually seems to be the case. It seems that a Chicago estate agent has sparked a row over the extent of his religious fervor after he converted his home into a church, saving himself $80,000 a year in taxes. Makes you want to join the, join the clergy, don't it? Uh, George Michael said he converted his $3 million home in, in a Chicago suburb into the Armenian Church of Lake Bluff, so his disabled wife and daughter did not have to travel to worship. Uh, Mr. Michael told Illinois officials he started his own congregation, reportedly numbering a few close friends and family a year ago after receiving a pastor's degree from a religious internet site. He placed a cross on the side of his lakeside mansion home, which neighbors accepted as a sign of his Christian devotion. However, Respect has turned into suspicion after it emerged that property's church status qualified him for a hefty savings on his annual property tax bill. Local officials in Lake Bluff are appealing the state's granting of the church status. It's a honking house, said Teresa Yakes, planning officer who assessed the property, which is surrounded by private property and no trespassing signs. Not a very friendly church, is it? Uh, state tax authorities confirmed that they never visited on a Sunday to check if services were being held. Mr. Michael presented them with a copy of his clergy license from the Church of Spiritual Humanism, photos of the church altar, the church's affidavit of organization from January of 2007, church bylaws, and copies of weekly church bulletins dating to December. The Diocese of the Armenian Church of America in New York said it had no record that the Armenian Church of Lake Bluff exists or that it has been consecrated as a house of worship. Well, Mr. Michael, Unfriendly Church, Chicago, good luck, buddy. Next up, we got uh, a little pet news. Seems that pet owners are increasingly feeding their animals a dangerously unhealthy diet of junk food, including curry, pizza, and ice cream. A charity has warned. Researchers for the People's Dispensary for Sick Animals found that in the past year there has been a 10% increase in the number of overweight animals. Around 500,000 pets are affected, ranging from cats and dogs to rabbits rats, and even budgerigars. That would be parakeets, methinks. They are suffering symptoms identified with obesity in humans, such as low energy levels, breathing problems, arthritis, asthma, diabetes, liver and heart disease, and poor fertility. PDSA senior veterinary surgeon Sean Winsley 
said the pet's weight gain could be down to their owners giving them fatty and sugary snacks with little knowledge of what harm they were doing. He said pets are being fed chips, cheese, and scones. Others that have been mentioned are crisps, curry, pizza, ice cream, cake, and sweet, he added. He said owners appear not to understand that a single biscuit or crisp... I need to translate this. This is like United Kingdom English. Let's try it again. He said owners appeared not to understand that a single cookie or potato chip for a pet could be equivalent to an entire packet for a human. The experience of the PDSA is reflected elsewhere. Hmm. The Guinness Book of World Records has withdrawn its listing for the heaviest animals over worries that some owners may be overfeeding their pets to gain recognition. Inspectors from the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals last year took a Labrador called Rusty away from Derek Benton, 62, of Fordham, Cambridgeshire, and his brother, David, 53. The pair had allowed the dog to reach 162 pounds. 162-pound Labrador. Wow. There have also been cases of like a cat named Ginger, which was too fat to get out of the cat door. And a dog that was so overweight after being fed English breakfast that it could not move. Helen Briggs of the RSPCA said, Overweight animals tend to be made objects of fun, but it's a serious animal welfare issue. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get your dog on the treadmill. Quit feeding them them and hamburgers and pizza and everything else. And uh, see, can you get them down to the veterinarian? Well, thank you for joining us this time around for Strangely Enough. Uh, If you want to leave some feedback, comments, or show suggestions, please go on to Black Sparrow Media. That's blacksparrowmedia.com. Click on the forums link and it'll take you on over to the forums where you can find uh, a couple for uh, Strangely Enough. Uh, Thank you for uh, downloading us this time around, and we'll see you next time.